Hi, how are you? I'm I'm all right. I, I feel like that's not how we normally start the show, but we don't have a set start for this either, so I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure if that's an incorrect way to do it or just a weird way to do it. I mean, what would the correct way to do it be? Introducing ourselves and the show, right? Uh, you, want, you want to give me an example? Hi, I'm Justice. With me is my co-pilot, Josh, and this is In the Cockpit, the once-monthly show we do here at Co-Pilots Review, where we kind of just talk about whatever the fuck we want. So I'm going to try that back for you. Hi, I'm Justice. That's my co-pilot, Josh. And this... <laughs> I mean, you repeated it well. You did not adapt at all, but that is not expected of you anyways. Yep, this is In the Cockpit, that once-a-month show we do where we just talk about things and places and stuff we do. I feel like only one of those is things we do. And places we do. No. No. Just no. I think grammatically that's a correct sentence. No, it is grammatically a correct sentence. It's an inherently incorrect sentence about facts, though. Have we never discussed a place on this podcast? That is not what one would call to do a place. What would it mean to do a place? Let's not worry about it. Instead, is there anything you've been up to that you want to talk about? Games, music, TV, books, life? Nope. Me neither. Okay, that's the end of this episode in the cockpit. Uh, Before we get into anything, I think the first thing we need to do is talk about the recent episode of Co-Pilot's Review. Okay, sure, Um, I guess. The Shadowed Faith episode. Yeah, good show. Yeah. Well, all right, show. I mean... It doesn't exist, but yeah. Wait, what? No, ChatGPT wrote that. I mean, not, not what we said. We didn't read from a script. We would never read from a script. But the entire show was just created by a chatbot. That sounds bad. Yeah, it, it's almost like chatbots are a threat to, like, a bunch of things. Oh, they're not. AI is a threat to a bunch of stuff. I mean, the obsession with AI and our integration, yes, but, like, the actual program itself, no. Chatbots are ruining college. Have you not heard? Chatbots are not ruining college. Colleges were already ruined. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the long and short of it is that was our April Fool's Day episode this year. So yeah, we do that. You know, April Fools. If you were tricked into thinking that show was real, which if you Google Shadowed Faith, you don't find anything about a show called Shadowed Faith. And if you Google Shadowed Faith review, we're in the top links for that. So Ooh, you probably should have figured it out. But also. How often do people actually look up the shit we talk about? I'm going to go with not a lot. It's a good point you make. Now, talking about things we talk about that you should look up, there's this new indie game out, and it's super popular. It's called Shadowed Faith. <laughs> it's based off of the sci-fi original TV show. Yep. And you play as a noir-esque detective who's also a cleric of a large church, though it's unclear if you're actually still a member of that church or not. And actually, the really cool part of this, because it's an indie game, somehow they still managed to get Jay Baruchel to come back and do the voice for the character. Yeah, I mean, though, there's not a lot of, like, large scenes where we get a lot of the dialogue. We have a few, like, efforts and, like, haze and stuff like that, because most of the game is, like, text on screen. We get a few actual, like, rendered cutscenes. But, you know, most of them it's kind of point and clicky, almost like the, uh, like a watered down version of like the Sherlock Holmes video games that exist, like Sherlock Holmes, Devil's Daughter and whatnot. Yeah, those games are apparently good from what I hear. I don't know. I have them, but I have never played them. Also, from what I understand, there is actually another indie game that just came out. I mean, a lot of indie games come out, yeah. And it's kind of blowing up. It's It's been incredibly popular on Twitch and probably YouTube. I don't watch a lot of gameplay on YouTube, though. Yeah. It's called Dredge. Okay. Judge I- Dredge has a video game? No, not Judd Dredge, uh, just Dredge. Okay, okay, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, I just moved the G, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Dredge is this indie darling, apparently, can get a lot of play on Twitch and YouTube. Okay. And I ended up buying it after watching one of my friends play it on Twitch last Saturday. Gotcha, gotcha. And what 
is Dredge as a game. Okay, so you wash up on a, on the shore of an island. Okay. After your boat crashed on the rocks. And then you have to discover the treasures of the island, the Monkey Island. No, in fact, you don't spend a lot of time actually on the island because... The mayor immediately gives you a boat and is like, hey, we need a fisher. Go fish for us. And so that's, so you have to go fish and they'll buy the fish from you, but you have to pay okay. them back for the boat that you just got for free. It's got so a, you did not get the boat for free. No. You were placed into indentured servitude. Yes. You washed it, up on an island and were immediately placed in indentured servitude. You do not have the option of taking the boat. You do not have the option of being a fisherman. You were just like, here's a boat. You're going to be our fisherman now. Well, you were already a fisherman. Like They didn't know that. But it, 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 it takes like two in-game days to pay him off. It's not like that much effort i mean it's still a problem but continue with your Dude, weird and if somebody wants to give game. me a boat and i can go fishing for two days and pay them back that's a good trade except from what i understand about the game you're not just fishing fish you are fishing fucking lovecraftian monsters i would hope i could pay that off because i assume the price is so fucking high because the risk of death well i've only died once okay but i'm talking about like in a general sense of the in world lore like i would assume people die a fuck ton oh yeah boats there's all kinds of boat wrecks everywhere and yeah we don't know why you were originally out boating we assume you're a fisherman we don't know that for a fact uh, indentured servitude <laughs> continue but then you get recruited by this mysterious man to go dredge up treasures from the deep okay okay and he gives you magic powers every time you give him a treasure so i don't know what's going on there I don't even know if I should be giving him the treasures. No, nah, he's going to turn out to be a weird Lovecrafty monster at the end of the game, calling it. But the game's a lot of fun. It's a fishing simulator with, like, Resident Evil 4 management, yeah. inventory management. All, like, well, balancing, like, how far out you can go from ports because yeah. it's safe. Fuel the... economy and stuff. Well, it's not safety. fuel economy. Like, you have unlimited fuel. Okay. But you have only some, like, daylight hours are safe. You can. And, okay. But nighttime, you will slowly, like, start imagining stuff. And, like, when you start imagining stuff in the fear, you're, you're I don't remember the, what the bar is called, but it it's your fear and paranoia. Your sanity. Gotcha. Yeah, it's your sanity. But like with swirly effects around you, mm-hmm. and then sometimes those swirly effects will just, will resolve themselves into rocks that appear out of nowhere, ah, or like nice. Um, so um, you've actually been making deals with Hassier, the King in Yellow, and uh, you're gonna fuck a bunch of shit up by giving him all this stuff. Yeah, so far um, I get I have the ability to make my ship go fast by making my sanity go way away. Okay, and then I also have the ability to teleport to Hassier's island. Okay, one of those sounds like an all right ability. The other one sounds kind of lame. Which one sounds lame? The fasty boat thing. No, no the fasty boat I'm thing talking, is so... I'm talking about as like an outside of just using a boat mechanic. No, no, no the fasty boat thing is the most important one. I, I got chased by a sea serpent. Losing my sanity to go fast felt good. Or you just teleport away. I didn't have to teleport yet. Cool. Then it sounds like it wasn't better. It's just the one you had. Also, I needed to be in the area. So I just needed to like outspeed the serpent so I could go dredge up a treasure to get to give to Hassier to get the ability to teleport. Um whatever but yeah no uh, it's a lot of fun there's like individual st- character stories and side missions going on and like weird stuff to find you also kind of got like a collection tracker thing going on and certain fish can only be found at night so even though it's dangerous to fish at night um those fish are also worth more money and you need money to continually upgrade your boat so your boat can be better so you can go further from ports to paraphrase a paraphrasing though i feel like it's safest to say don't fish at night yeah, except you should because that's how you get like some of the really expensive fish. Yeah, I mean, I understand the concept. Yeah, game is a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun with it. I'm like seven, eight hours in. Not Appar- bad. Apparently, like people complain because the game is short and you can beat it in eight hours. But I'm like halfway through the primary story of the game and only like I'm at the seven, eight hour mark. Yeah. 
I like I don't get people that complain about how sh- how like shoot games are short or something, right? Because as long as you're getting like an enjoyable, enjoyment out of it, like it was thirty dollars. Would you pay thirty dollars for an eight hour movie? No, hold on. Would you pay thirty dollars to see four movies? Yeah, like. But even then, a lot of the times when I see people complaining about the length of the games, like, well, the main story is only like eight or twenty hours long. Like anywhere from that time range, I will see people complaining about the game being short. And it's just like, okay, but you said the main story, so you're telling me there's other things you can do on the side and side stories and stuff. You just don't feel like engaging with them, so the game is short. Yeah, it's like I, people were complaining. Like I've been playing Lost Judgment. I guarantee you, I could have beaten the game that I've been playing it now if I didn't do the side stories and if I didn't run around and do things that I found enjoyable in the game. Marvel Midnight Suns has some complaint on it online. Because people are like, oh, you can beat the main campaign in 30 hours. 30 fucking hours. Yeah, but it is a full-blown AAA title. But in yeah, the but you pay, side, what, you pay, what, like, what, $60 for 30 hours of gameplay? I Yeah, yeah. So you pay $2 for every hour of enjoyment? Not counting DLC and side missions? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but also, I'm 20 hours in, and I'm only a third of the way through the game. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird and annoying, and I don't like people. Yeah, I, I don't... I think it's because... I want to blame this on games like Grand Theft Auto and The Witcher. Yeah. Games that have 100-hour campaigns and then are fully open world games with, like, unlimited amounts of other stuff to do. Yeah. And people are like, well, I could be doing that instead. Like, I like The Witcher, but I don't always want to play The Witcher. Sometimes I want to play a different style of game. Open worlds aren't the end-all, be-all. But the game, but like people have become so obsessed with this open, this idea of open worlds yeah. and how that affects gameplay length. Because honestly, open worlds inflate the, the way gameplay length plays out. Yes, just through the like act of having to go from one location to another. Oh god, yeah, a lot of them like you have to do the actual traveling and like some things where it's like, oh no, we need you to actually go there and do this. Like so many things in the Grand Theft Auto series, you have to. It's part of the mission to drive there, which inflates the story, the main story time, but like the banter that they might be giving you in the car ride is not important to the story or whatever, but you are doing a main story thing, so you increase main story gameplay time. It's like Horizon Zero Dawn. Which I'm- is completely respectable. Kudos to creators increasing the fucking gameplay time so people complain less, but like, would, would you really call that a key integral part of your gameplay? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, but like... I, like, that's not a big thing that's important to the main story to me. Horizon Zero Dawn is one of my favorite PS4 games of all time. Yeah. But part of the, like, length of the gameplay... It's just finding points to fast travel to. Yeah. Like, it's just map, oh, like, map exploring. Which people do anyways. But so, by making it part of the main story, they've increased the main story time. Whereas on the flip side, games like Red Dead, which did not have fast, which do not have fast travel until a certain point in the game. Yeah. Literally are extend, artificially extending the length of the gameplay by making you actively ride from place to place. Yes. And that doesn't make the story, that it makes the gameplay, the story longer, but artificially so. Yeah. I love Red Dead Redemption. The yeah. Yeah, no. Red Dead, Red like, Dead these, like I said, are completely viable ways to extend the length of your game's main story. But my point is, fans care about the big number. They don't care about the what that main story gameplay consists of. Because a lot of like uh-huh. long hour campaigns, when you look at it, a lot of that time is travel time or things that they will otherwise actively complain about. But when taking is all part of the main story runtime, they're like, yeah, but if the story was really long, and then if you're like, well, how much of that was actual story or how much of that was actual gameplay that you enjoyed of it, they'd be like, I don't know, probably like 50 to 70% of it. Midnight Suns has no travel time. Yeah. Because, okay, so you you can run around the campus of the play, the school where you're at, but yeah. uh, you don't have to really. There, I guess there is travel time if you want to do that stuff, which I've put a lot of effort into and like, mm-hmm. because, because I enjoy the, like, the puzzles and stuff going on in there. Yeah. But there's not a lot of like travel time for missions and... If you were just wanted to breeze straight through the game, you could just ignore most of the map exploring. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, I've been playing Lost Judgment, and I am 
only on chapter four and i'm like i think 30 plus hours in yeah but you also play mini games like a fiend mini games get me items or sp that i want and then i also do all the side quests that i currently have available or go as far in side cases that i can available at any point in the story that's the type of gamer i am fair enough but like the thing is i guarantee you because everything i've played it plays exactly like the first judgment but with like a few more things added so it was like yakuza but with a few more things yeah added. but i could speed run through this game main story wise really easily because there's a fast travel system yeah it cost me a tiny bit of money but like money's not really a huge problem if you're not spending it to buy things which you don't really need to do to get through most of the main stories generally yeah so like you can use the taxi services to fast travel you can just run and just do your main stories and ignore all of the side cases but like where's the fun in that in my opinion because the side cases especially in like the judgment games do flush out the world quite a bit and some of them do tie back into the main story just they're not integral parts to it so you don't necessarily need them yeah i i understand that like honestly i've only played yakuza zero yakuza one yakuza kawami one yeah um, I only played Yakuza Kiwami, and the like effectiveness at side stories in that game to distract you from the main mm-hmm. story. They write their side game, they they write their side quests, the side missions with just as much fun and flavor as the main story. Like I'm never like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this side story. I'm like, oh, where's the next Majima side story? Yeah, yet? like don't get me wrong. A lot of the times I'll be like, man, this main story's serious. This side story is dumb as fuck. Like in a concept of like how weird or off the wall it is, but it is still enjoyable and a good time to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, Whereas like I think a lot of it comes down to like this early video game idea that like side quests aren't inherently fun or enjoyable because a lot of things are like a lot of it i think goes back to like early wild days where it's like go kill like 15 rats to get this one weapon that you want resident Evil 4 remake side quests yeah just like side quests that you go to do because you want one specific thing but the side quest itself is not fun nor does it have a story nor is it in any way important to the game nor does it flush out any background characters or even your character itself yeah no yeah 100 percent but I would argue that's not inherently true for most games anymore that have side quests. Yeah, early game, early side quests were legitimately just checklists. Hey, go do this. They were checklists that gated access to certain items. I say early games, but Borderlands 3 still did this. This was 90% of Borderlands 3 side quests. Yeah, and then they tried to say like, hey, we have fun dialogue and quirky story. And most of the time, in 3 at least, it didn't do that. 1 and 2, I would argue. Yes. Pre-sequels, like, yeah. it, it's... it's the, the writing in pre-sequel is just great, front to mm-hmm. back. <sighs> I have a little bit of Borderlands 3 hate buried inside me. It's not that buried, and it's not a little. So, other than Judgment and Dredge, or Dredgement and Judge, what have you been doing, like... I watched all of Lockwood and Co. I uh, I do know what that is because I asked you in the middle of an episode. Yeah, sorry about that. I if I don't if I didn't ask you, in, you would have completely were... forgotten it even existed. I'm aware. Yes, exactly. It's not bad. It comes across, it doesn't come across as like a teen drama because it's not really, it has like some aspects because it does feel aimed towards a younger audience. Okay. I would say it comes across as a preteen fantasy novel more accurately. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like books aimed at like age 13 modern fantasy kind of? Yeah. The Immortal Instruments, the, the Hunter series we read. Yeah. Yeah, like those. I don't mm-hmm. remember what that Hunter series was called, but it's got a TV show. Dark Hunters? Dark mm-hmm. Hunters. Shadow Hunters. One of those. Shadow Hunters? Yep, that one. Uh, It's also the... Did it get a show or did it get a movie? I think it got a show? I hope it got a show. It did not deserve a movie. But it comes across as kind of that. It's a modern... I guess, magical fantasy setting, kind of, where there's just ghosts that are real, and then children slash teenagers can see ghosts, and some of them have, like, better abilities at seeing, or, um, 
My brain is blinking on the ability. It's when you touch something and you can tell it's past history or emotions. Psychometry? Yeah. Some people have psychometry. Some people can better hear or talk or see ghosts or whatever. I only know what psychometry. I like. I, my brain only remembers psychometry because it's a bloodline ability for one of my favorite vampire races and the original Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, no, like I mainly remember for like certain superpowers where it's like a weird thing, but people have I think have it. it's the Tremere, but I'm, I don't want to like... Maybe no no no, 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 not the Tremere. It's the ones that are obsessed with beauty. Venture, not the Venture. No, no, not Venture. Um, ba, 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 ba. The Tremere, the Wizards. Yeah, yeah Tremere, Wizard Boys, Toriador. There the Toriador. we go. There we go. Yeah, but anyways, though, so some people have those powers and such, and we follow our main character who has because with most things, rich people have taken ways to monetize this and make it very capitalistic. And are effectively grinding these children into dust. They don't care if they die as long as they make money. And it is children, because adults do not possess this ability. Their gifts wear off. So we have our main character who goes through some traumatic stuff with her first company that she's working for. Not of her will. Her mother basically sells her to them and then takes all the money. But she leaves to go to London because it takes place in England. Is this show a commentary on Asian idol culture? I mean... That sounds very idle to me. I guess you could kind of see that because, like, they are... They can be very popular and well-known in this world. Like, they are some of the most famous figures, so. But she goes to London to try to join a better agency, gets turned down from all the big ones, and joins up with an agency. Oh, so it's an idol that, like, got screwed over by her first agency, and she has to go find a better one? And none of them accept her. I'm telling you. I just figured out what this show's about. And so she joins one ran by another ghost hunter. So he's a teenager and he only has one other employee who is also a teenager. And they do a bunch of things and they are really good at their job, but they're not respected, obviously. And they get tangled up into some intrigue and stuff. It's only one season. It was fairly good. The effects weren't the best, but I mean, honestly, I wasn't expecting that. But like the story was fine. It was entertaining. And I enjoyed the basic idea of the setting. Nice. Yeah. I I, I don't think it was probably, I don't think the writers probably wrote it as a, as a critique of idol culture. But you could definitely do what I see yeah. The way you described it, my brain clicked it. For me, the only things I've been watching are wrestling, which I'm not going to deep dive into because I re- I have not just become aware of how like hard wrestling is to understand from an outside wrestling perspective. Yeah. But I've, I've become how, of how aware wrestling is to understand if you don't follow that wrestling company. Yes. Um. So I'm not going to deep dive into that stuff. But I have been watching a bunch of Supernatural as well. I'm now okay. halfway through season 11. The thing that kickstarted me back to watching Supernatural mm-hmm. was this super long Tumblr post that appeared on my Facebook or Reddit. I don't know. I don't use either of those. Those yeah. aren't real sites. And it was talking about the episode Baby. Yeah, uh, the one which, about their car. Yeah, which is all filmed from the car. Nothing that t- happens in that episode takes place. Like, Nothing we see in that episode happens outside of the car, car's vicinity. Yeah. Because all the camera shots are from the car. And it was talking about how, like, during one of the opening scenes of that episode, the C- Jared Pedalecki and uh, Jensen Eccles, it was a scene of just the two actors, like, ad-libbing and chilling and, like, uh, hanging out. And it ended up making it into the final cut of the episode because of the chemistry between the two actors. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds awesome. I want to see this because, like, Supernatural fans are hyping it up. And I was like... That sounds really cool. Want to see it. Watch the episode. Very good. Uh, very glad I got there. And once I got to that episode, I kind of just petered out on Supernatural because <laughs> I binge TV shows to such a point that I, won't, that I won't watch them again for two to three months at least. How's Lost going? Lost is going great. I'm still on season two. How's uh, Doctor Who going? Uh, I am on the last Capaldi season, so we're almost there. We're almost there. How's One Piece going? 
Uh, I haven't read Skypia for a month now because I hate Skypia. Yeah. I feel like there's any other thing you said you were going to watch at some point, but I don't remember what it was. I'm working on, I want to get Dragon Ball done this year. No, no, no. I was talking about one thing you had already started watching and said you were going to get you watching. I don't remember what it was. Uh, Outer Banks? Maybe. I'm four episodes into season three. You got issues, bud. Yes. I also need to go back and rewatch all of Money Heist so I can watch the two new seasons of Money Heist I haven't watched. You just got completion issues. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of the issues you had when we started co-pilots. Yeah. Instead, that has just transferred to, I have an issue starting watching anything. I just don't do it anymore. This show, this this podcast from, a, from the get-go was terrible for me because I'm already like dabbling all my fingers in all the pies like, ooh, look at this TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at yeah. this TV. Whereas me, I was just like, I'll watch all of it. And now this has solved my issue of starting shows i don't want to watch and finishing them instead i just don't start shows oh man i was i was talking to a co-worker the other day yeah and i didn't know if he liked anime or not but like we ended up talking about anime okay and he brought up chainsaw man and yeah. I, I realized when he brought up chainsaw man that was the last anime i watched like the entire season of yeah i can't even think of another anime i've watched an entire season of other than one piece in the last year i did however recently watch an anime movie yes goodbye donglies which is anime stand by me yeah but to the degree that the director's interview on the disc she had, had questions about stand by me she had to be like no 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 it's not anime stand by me i started working on this before and then i watched stand by me while working on it as an inspiration it is anime stand by me that said um it's very good and the art in it's very very good like the yeah. landscapes and all the scenery god but yeah if you've seen stand by me you've seen goodbye donglies yep i think i'm out of topics that is surprising yeah because normally you run out first <laughs> normally i don't have topics to begin with i fly by the seat of my pants and i talk about things as they arrive do you have any more topics or did you actually run out first and I just filled space? Um, no, I definitely have topics. I, um, I started watching slash listening to a new actual play. I'm not very far into it. It's a PBTA Monster Hearts actual play. Ah. Because I like PBTA and I like Monster Hearts because that's just a trope I enjoy. PBTA is a really cool system. Yeah. Um, for those not in the RPG circles, it's powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. And it's a really hacky system. And by mm -hmm. hacky, I mean you can do anything you want with it. Yeah. Whereas the like, uh, group doing the actual play, like the organization, the network, that's what I wanted, has like other PBTA games. They have like they have a masks one that I kind of want to start watching at some point. Whereas people will tell you Dungeons and Dragons can be, you can use it to do anything you want. No, no. They're liars. That is, I only know one system, so I'm going to make everything work instead of learning a new system and supporting better creators the um people who are like i want to play this but in dungeons and dragons are literally like the child who has one of those shape games and they have a square peg and they filled all the other holes except the circle hole and the square hole and they're just like square peg gonna go in that circle hole i'm gonna make it yeah it is disappointing when people do it but whatever they do anyways but it's been all right so far uh monster hearts is a game that can easily go beyond content that people are okay with because it is a game where you literally have an action uh, or ability called a sex move. Sex moves. Most Body people. moves. And uh, most people when playing, I assume, and definitely with this actual play, it's the basic role of, hey, more often than not, we're always going to fade to black. Like, we, we're we not taking anything past a certain point, obviously. No, it's the rule of cool. You, you, you do all the sexy moves. No. But yeah, so like the game itself is kind of built to naturally be a bit more mature, but it's really meant to focus around the fact that you are played as teenagers. You're not entirely sure of who you are. Stuff like one of the best things is you don't have any like set 
ideas of like as a character on a sheet basically you have no set attractions to sex gender or personality traits like you might have something as your character that you're playing towards like towards like i'm more going towards this but you can be seduced by anyone you can find anyone attractive because you are a teenager you don't know what the fuck you like yet which is nice and it's kind of neat but the fun thing the thing that i like about it is uh i enjoy monster teen drama bullshit i watched teen wolf i love the monster prom games it's kind of just a weird niche that i enjoy Teen Monster Romance is a very specific niche. Yes, I am aware. I mean, Buffy also kind of fills that spot at times. Like, it's just a, it's a fun genre. It's normally campy and hilarious with, like, when done well, just enough of, like, an actual teen drama to keep the story kind of going forward. Anyways, though, like, I, I enjoy that. To the degree that I still have a teen drama that I want to exist that's entirely based off of Monster Hot's one shot. It was from uh, the One Shot Network years back now, I believe. And... The premise for theirs was, like, CW, MTV, and all that shit had sexy monster team dramas that we've had werewolves, we've had vampires with movies and stuff, we've had, like, zombies with, like, warm bodies and whatnot. And they were just like, you know, we haven't really had sexy mummy teen dramas. Like, I think the closest we would get with sexy mummies is, like, the Scorpion King, kind of? But that's not a sexy mummy teen drama, so it doesn't matter. But one of the things that I think that was really fun about that one shot is it wasn't, like, the first episode of the show, right? Yeah. Because... That'd be a boring one-shot. Yeah. In PBTA, you have a thing called strings, which are kind of how your characters interact. It, it's, you can use strings to manipulate other people to try to get them to do what you want. Increase dice rolls when taking an action against someone to try to get them to take an action, whatever, right? Yeah. So you can give strings to people when you create a character. And normally you kind of use it to flesh out backstory, but like, well, how do you interact with these people or whatever? And they used it in that situation to help establish that... They were coming back. This was the season premiere of season two. So they'd kind of worked on what they wanted to happen. And all fucking shit happened in their first season. And they were picking it right up in media res. And it was just a fun one shot with the way they designed it and built it up. And I kind of just want the show to exist like really badly. Understandable. I've had that feeling. I, I can't like think off the top of my head like what a show I wanted to exist that didn't. Yeah. But I'm sure th- I-, I know I have had like that thought process. Well, I mean, there was that um, animation on YouTube that you really enjoyed that had like Three episodes, and then it kind of fizzled out. Sig and Tess? Sig and Tess, yeah. Yeah, I, I still follow that creator. Or because... even more, like, Epithet Erased or whatnot. Like, God, There are things that never really made so it as good. full shows that I think you would want back, or want to continue, yeah? Yeah, the Epithet Erased was so good, dude. Mind you, both of those things were created with the idea of being actual shows. Yeah, that's fair. Mine was created with no intention to be an actual show, but, like, the base of it is something that I think is really fun and entertaining. Like, they even thought of the intro, like, uh, card slash cuts, right? Yeah. Which was just fun as well. And the way they described it, entirely accurate for the time. They were, they were like, 2010s, late aughts, teen drama, and it fit perfectly with the vibe. It was just a fun time. But yeah, no, so I've been listening to a Monster Hearts PPTA game, and... Uh, not to interrupt, but the way you describe strings within yeah. uh, Monster Hearts... Sounds very much like a lot of the background setting for Fiasco, like when you're building characters. Kind of. Fiasco, where you'll tie characters together. Um, is Fiasco a PBTA system? It's not. Fiasco okay, I didn't is, think so. Fiasco is its own system because Fiasco is meant to be played in one sitting, and it's yeah. specifically a game with acts built into it, Yeah, yeah. and tension ratchets up per act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a cool game. Yeah. 
No, strings are just a really neat mechanic. You can form strings with people. You can get rid of strings. Like, if you use a string, it's gone. You can use a string to, like, patch a piece of clothing. That too, yes. And, like, it's just a fun mechanic that I find really neat about the entire PBTA system. And I think Monster Heart uses it really well to explore a more emotional and, like, non-physical side of character playing. Role-playing in general? Yeah, I mean, like, PBTA does that in general really, really well. But Monster Heart is a game that's not really built for, like, big fights. Like, you can definitely still have them. You can definitely still have big fights in Monster Hearts. But it's not really built for that. And I think that's what makes it more enjoyable, in my opinion. Completely fair. I do think PBTA is just probably the most open game system. Yeah. I I know GURPS is sitting there in the corner right now being really upset that I'm like, no, PBTA is is the system. If you want to do anything... PBTA and GURPS is like we're literally called the generic universal role-playing system yeah you named yourself that back in like the fucking 90s bud and you have not done much to change since and let's face it to be universal you have way too much stuff and yeah I can adapt all of it to do what I need it to by leaving parts on the fucking shop floor that I don't need because it's a piecemeal assembly to fit whatever you need or or I can do a PBTA hack for a game or in my opinion it's honestly just easier most of the time to use the expanded skills and talents for Ward of Darkness to make a game work yeah World of Darkness was also a very hackable system. I always thought so. Much better than D&D. Yeah, not, I, not the best, but like better than like D&D. I, and in my opinion, better than trying to learn how the fuck GURPS worked. I frequent Reddit way too much. Mm-hmm. And in the role-playing game subreddit, the amount of people who are like, we want to do a Wild West game, but in Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, there has to be a better Wild West game. Also, I mean, like you can kind of do that pretty easily already. There are guns in D&D. Theme your entire thing, wild, wild west. Make everyone humans. Only give them guns. I guess you're done. Remove all racial feats and magic systems. I've turned your D&D into a wild west game. You're done now. It sounds like a bad game to me. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to play that, but each their own. I am completely out of things to talk about now. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. I talked about if we do stuff. need to, If we do need to fill time, I do always have wrestling. I mean, we're at like... Just shy of 40 minutes. So, WrestleMania. Okay, go forth. Talk about your wrestles. I really don't have a lot to say on wrestles. Uh, WrestleMania was a massive letdown, though. Makes sense. It was WrestleMania. It, it was WWE. It was weird, though, because night one of WrestleMania was... And I'm not I'm not the only person saying this. This isn't specifically my opinion. But night one of WrestleMania was one of the best WrestleManias in the last 10 years. Yeah. Night two of WrestleMania was actively one of the worst WrestleManias in the last 10 years. Diversity. You gotta love it. So, in summary, WrestleMania was a land of contrast. So it seems, yeah. Yeah. It, it's really upsetting how night two ended. It, they were telling a story about... a homecoming hero and this build up to like fulfill his father's dreams yeah and how this was the moment that they were going to reach this, the end of the story and then they just went lol nah nice nice very nice gotta love that shit yeah it's my favorite part of wrestling i love being swerved by bad swerves the worst part is and this is 100 the worst part of rest of wwe they for some reason like have this and even wwe fans have this mentality where they're like Well, the ending was predictable, so they had to change it. Let me tell you something about predictable endings. They're predictable because they're good. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why M. Night Shyamalan isn't, like, viewed as an auteur director. It's because, as good as some of his films are, twist endings don't really, like, aren't the best storytelling mechanism. Yeah, and his best twist endings are ones that, if you've been paying attention, you can kind of see coming. Like, honestly, one of his best twist endings, in my opinion, is Sixth Sense. And if you're actively paying attention throughout that film, even though it's your first time, I've literally sat and watched them and watched it the first time, and I've watched them figure it out. You can see that twist coming, but it's really, really well done. 
Yeah, I agree. It's really weird to me that uh, like I've I've seen the take so many times on on Twitter where people are like, well, predictable endings are bad. And it's like, no, like predictable endings aren't bad. If predictable endings were bad, we wouldn't have story tropes that about like involving endings. Yeah, no. Like nobody would. Like if your entire thing is like, well, if it's ever predictable, it's bad. Cool. The end of every movie. Let's cut entire like change everything, kill everyone. Except sometimes don't because then it'd become predictable. Well, it's like we in, in, at the end of Infinity War, we didn't like because MCU is like yeah. such a big flagship. End of Infinity War was legitimately a shocking ending because the hero is lost. Yes, but we knew that by the end of Endgame they would win. Yeah, and we knew that before Endgame even started like doing mm-hmm. advertisements. We knew it before Endgame. It was anywhere it's near. It's never theaters. about what the ending is. It's how you get there. Yeah, like honestly, I don't think I don't think any storytelling is actually ever about what it is, but it's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like, it was, don't get me wrong. The what it is can be bad, but you can still tell a bad story very well. And the ending of the story that they were telling going into WrestleMania, the ending that everybody thought we were going to get, would have been a crowning moment. It would have made a new face for the company. Yeah, like. I mean, I don't mean like a John Cena level face. I mean like a baby face. Like it would have like made a top level face who could have main evented for the next 10 years and they just didn't. Yeah. And is like, well, they can just do it at SummerSlam. But the thing is, the difference between SummerSlam and WrestleMania in the world of wrestling is so large. And not only that, but building your story up to a point and then pulling the rug out only to like rebuild your story to that point three months later is a waste of your time, your fans' time, and all that fucking investment that you have put in. Exactly. When I talk about it's wrestling... literally cutting off your nose to spite your face. Mm-hmm. When, when you talk about wrestling in the abstract, I think there's a lot of stuff that you can talk about. Yeah. And, and in this case, WrestleMania, the issues with WrestleMania were all abstract from the mm-hmm. get-go. Other than the fact that Asuka lost again, and she's now 0-6 and six at WrestleMania. This seems like a bad thing when you're trying to push someone to be really popular and big and good at their job. Yeah, yeah. I want to posit the idea that it also might be some inherent racism on Vince McMahon's part. Yeah, but... I was going to say that, but I don't watch enough wrestling. I just know Vince is an angry old white man. Yeah, yeah. A sexist, angry old white man. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, WrestleMania 12 or 11, mm-hmm. Hogan was supposed to wrestle Bret Hart for the world championship yeah which would have been one of the biggest matches of wrestlemania hogan backed out of the last second so instead it ended up being hogan versus yokozuna nice um i bring this up because yokozuna as much as he, as vince was like he's japanese yokozuna was samoan yeah he's related to the anawai family nice like and that that was that was 30 something years ago but it still holds true for vince like yeah Anyways, I'm done I'm done filling time with wrestling. Cody Rhodes should have won. That's that's the end of that. But is it time to sign off for the, and wait for the next flight? I mean, sure, I guess. Okay, well, I do want to say before we sign off, we have a surprise coming up for our anniversary. So if you enjoy Copilot's review, we are celebrating our third anniversary on May 2nd. Which is weird. We'll be starting our fourth year of this podcast on May 2nd. Which is weird. Four years is so long. Yeah. But we have we have a special surprise for the fourth I don't, we're trying to find something else because a little peek behind the curtain. For our anniversary episode, we've been trying to do a different thing every year. Yeah. We reviewed ourselves last year, which was funny in a meta sense. Yeah, kind of. Uh, we reviewed Star Wars, the movies, because they were they were movies with episodes for our first yep. anniversary. I don't remember what we did for this, oh, the second episode of the anniversary. Yeah, 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 we've only had two. Yeah, so 
we've been we've been trying to find a special thing we could do for the third anniversary. It's tough, the thing we're trying to find. Which I'm actually gonna say it because I don't think we're gonna find it, so we're gonna have to do something else. But if you guys know something that fits what we're about to ask for, please let us know. We are specifically trying to find a book that calls their chapters episodes or hell even a book series that calls individual books in the series episodes clarification disclaimer asterisk that aren't adaptations of the fucking star wars like novelizations of those episodes one and two that is immediately a no-go you don't want to read episode one the phantom menace the novelization no no i do not but if you can think of a book that the chapters are listed as episodes or a book series where it's like episode one insert book name and then that and then episode two for the book that would be great we just cannot find anything that does that there is no easy repository to find a list of books that fit those criteria because apparently that's not something people actually care about yeah it's a little upsetting i'm sure it it has to exist i know it's existed. i can guarantee i have read a book before that calls its chapters episodes but i don't fucking know because who the fuck pays attention to chapter headers Unless it has a fun, quirky chapter name, in which case you still don't pay attention to what the chapter is. You pay attention to the fun, quirky name it gave it. Yeah, it's actually upsetting how hard it's been to find this. Mm-hmm. But anyways, thanks for hanging out with us in the cockpit. It's time for you guys to get out of the planes. We need to do our inspections for our next flight, which will be coming to you on the 22nd as always. But between now and then, if you want to get in contact with us, reach out to us, talk about games, movies, anything in particular, or if you know a book that has its chapters delineated as episodes or its entries in the series delineated as episodes, please let us know. Yeah. Please, God, let us know. And you can do that a myriad of ways. You can find us on Twitter and Hive at Copilot's Review. You can email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you can find a link to our Gmail, our Twitter our YouTube, our Patreon, and our Discord on our website, copilotsreview.symbolcast.com. Anyways, though, thank you, and please, uh, that's the ending for the show. Thank you, and hopefully we'll see you on our next flight.